Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Today's episode, we're gonna be chatting with Tim Rogers from TMR Customs again. If you wanna know everything about Tim and how he got started and the grassroots, go listen to the last season's episode where we interviewed Tim and you can find it all there. Today's episode, what we're gonna talk about is actual business tactics. Vector Welding is your go-to site for your off-road fabrication needs. Need some race-tested brackets, tabs, and trusses for your daily driver, weekend trail rig, or your full tube chassis? Veteran Welding has you covered. Need advice on which parts you should use for your project rig? Veteran Welding has you covered. Or do you want to learn how to weld, but you can't find anybody to teach you because you really want to start expanding your skill set for either work or your personal projects at home? Veteran Welding now has you covered with our online courses. Currently, we offer a TIG 101 course and we'll be adding a MIG 101 soon. For all of your off-road fabrication needs, head on over to veteranweldingcompany.ca. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying this show, please consider heading over to Patreon and supporting this channel. It doesn't matter how much you decide to support us with, it all goes straight into the show so we can sit there and spend more time on here helping you guys out, whether it's bringing you more interviews, talking to industry leaders, systems that we are developing, putting into place, helping you develop systems, manage your team. That's what we're here for, guys, is to help you out. So please, if you are getting value out of this, head on over to Patreon and help support us. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Today's episode, we're gonna be chatting with Tim Rogers from TMR Customs again. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it should, because last year we had him on the show and we found out everything that makes him tick. What makes him him? What got him into four-wheeling? Even though for most children, seeing the floor fly by you underneath your feet through a Jeep CJ would be terrifying. For him, it triggered something and he just fell in love with it. I think we all kind of have that little bit of a brain twitch but hey it's what makes us car guys car guys anyway if you want to know everything about tim and how he got started and the grassroots go listen to the last season's episode where we interviewed tim and you can find it all there today's episode what we're going to talk about is actual business tactics how he has sat there and went from having essentially like a storefront where he could walk in or you could walk in and do whatever to COVID hitting and now you can't walk into anywhere. And how he has sat there and gone from essentially 2019 being successful to what I'm seeing now over social media and through talking with Tim, just running off his feet ragged. Like anytime you look at his social media, it's pallets of TMR parts going out the door like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like this guy is crushing it. So Tim, Welcome back to the show. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm excited to be a, a two-time guest. And uh, yeah, when we did the first one, it was it was fun. I enjoyed chatting with you and hope we brought some value to the listeners. So uh, it's cool to be back for, uh, for a second round here on the Veteran Welding Podcast. Neat fact. Last year's uh, recording we did with you, I believe, yeah, it was our most listened to episode. That's that's cool. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, uh 500 plus listens so yeah anyway so today like i mentioned i want to talk to i want to talk tactics i want to talk about how you've sat there and pivoted to go from successful to extremely successful from outside looking in with with covid hitting so 
let's talk early 2020 for a moment, okay? Because um, I, I remember this because you and I were talking a little bit about it when it first happened. Matt Crimi and I talked about it uh, before his recording uh, with Canada Welding Supply. You guys were both at the... I'm, I'm having a, a brain fart on the name of the uh, show, but you were at the s s a trade show of some sort in Toronto. Yeah. And you were halfway through, and then by the sounds of it, people were coming around going, pack your shit, get the fuck out, we can't do this anymore. Yeah, so the show you're thinking of was Motorama. That's um, it. It's always, yeah, it's always uh, mid-March, usually like 13th to 15th, somewhere in there. Um, so it's a two day show in Toronto. Um, it'd be the biggest show in Toronto for, for custom car culture. Um, so for us, it's a four day deal. Um, we set up Thursday evening and then the show is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So leading up to the show, COVID was just starting to kind of, um, catch fire, but they were still pumping the narrative here that there wasn't community spread. It was more or less people, uh, coming back from vacationing and whatnot that was driving it. Mm -hmm. So the show the show went on. Um, I wasn't sure uh, if it was going to go on. But anyway, so the show went on. So Thursday we set up. Friday at the show is always quiet because um, it's primarily school groups, which is kind of cool. They bring down busloads of kids, and hopefully you inspire a kid to possibly uh, get into any trade related to car culture and automotive. So we always enjoy that. Um, and But lots of people coming in Friday night, uh, their main focus of, or point of conversation was COVID and, and what was – happening so i mean i think some people liked coming to the show because it was a little quieter you could probably get up closer with some of the cars and talk to the builders um the show went down as normal on saturday um but there were lots of like rumors between vendors that vendors were were pulling out um i know all the big corporate vendors more or less pulled their staff out of there on the saturday so that's like canadian tire mcguire's any of the uh tool companies so like dewalt um i believe milwaukee was there um they all basically told their staff like it's not safe for you guys to be here so they were pretty much packing up their booths on saturday um so i went home saturday night after the show not knowing what was going to happen on sunday and they sent out an email late saturday night saying basically that uh the venue and the uh region shut them down come down Sunday, pack your shit up and get out. But there's effectively no show Sunday. Um, so, Holy. uh, it, yeah, in closing, I mean, that, that was kind of it. That was kind of the kickoff of when, when shit got real. I think, uh, we were behind things. I don't think that show ever should have happened. Um, truthfully. Cause I mean, you pumped, I think the normal show numbers are like, uh, 40, 50,000 people through the door in three days. I mean, you pumped a lot of people through a small, well, not a small space, but an enclosed space. So I don't think it was all that, smart but i mean also they were allowed to do it so i mean it's not like the government was telling them they couldn't do it so it was a little weird and yeah that's when shit got started to get uh, real dicey and uh, and closures and whatnot were really ramping up from there there on forward okay so now how did that look for for tmr customs like what when shit started getting shut down what was your um what, what was your strategy for advertising for uh, sales for all of that pre-shutdown what was that so pre-shutdown um everything was fine we were pretty much business as usual um, we still operated our storefront as well as online um but since day one like since mike and i opened this thing we've been pushing to become an online and an e-commerce business so that's really been 
our focus. But yeah, leading up to that, things were were perfectly normal. Um, Mike actually wasn't at that show with me. He went down to Florida the week before. Um, he goes every year with his wife and his wife's family. Um, so they got down to Florida, and then that's basically when all the travel warnings kind of exploded, and our government was telling everyone you should return to Canada as fast as you can. So they were literally there, I think, less than 48 hours. Um, drove to Florida. They said it was weird because there was nothing out of the norm down there whatsoever. It was like, I mean, business as usual, but we were telling them like how dire kind of the situation was being, or the narrative was being pumped up here. So yeah, we told them like, get your ass back while you while you still can. So they turned around and came back. But yeah, but yeah, they he missed that show, which is fine. That's that's normally what we schedule. But uh, yeah, that's when stuff started to get real weird. But business wise for us, everything was perfectly fine. Um, to that point, there was no changes whatsoever. So, so what what was your normal though for the business like what for your advertising side of the house and going from there because that that is what once again from the outside looking in i have seen a huge change in like you i can't go on any platform without seeing tmr customs i'm not complaining by the way i i enjoy yeah. <laughs> seeing advertisements for stuff that i enjoy not glasses and friggin pregnancy stuff for my wife Yes. So. No, I, I get that. So yeah, <laughs> at that point we weren't doing a ton of, uh, online advertising. So, I mean, we're talking, uh, Facebook and Instagram primarily. We weren't doing a lot of that. We were doing trade shows. We did a lot of, uh, SEO work to make sure people are finding our website when you're searching for the appropriate key keyword terms. That was big for us. Mm -hmm. And we weren't even really yet. We were doing email newsletters, but not to the frequency at which we do them now and not to the, uh, level of complexity at which we do them now. So yes, we were an e-commerce business, but all of our advertising wasn't online at that point because we still had trade shows, local Jeep events. Um, our race series was still planned as goes. So we were kind of still doing the traditional things we had always done leading up to that. Okay. All right. So it was, it, it was like a 50, 50 essentially. Yeah. Okay. Now what did your team look like was it you doing it all was it uh your brother did you have bring somebody else in to run the advertising side of the house yeah so at that point it was uh myself um i would do our email newsletters i do all our website updates um and write that content i do have a firm that helps me out with the uh seo side of things um, they're based in Colorado. Uh, that's their level of expertise. It was one of those things where I always looked at, it, I was like, I can probably learn this. Um, but when you're dealing with Google, it's a pretty rapid changing, um, space and they're always changing their algorithms and, and what they prefer for search. So I thought I should partner with someone that's an, an expert on that. And I kind of, uh, let them run with that. So obviously they, they need my, they need my input on some stuff. Cause our business, I would say like quote unquote, isn't normal by any means. I mean, we're not selling sheets or bath towels or common things. Our stuff's pretty technical and is really like a niche of a niche is what I say. It's like off-road itself is a niche mm -hmm. and then we're niche within that because we're just, just builder parts and fabricator stuff. So sometimes some of these companies that try and work with, they have trouble understanding that. Um, so that's kind of a challenge. But yeah, at that point, I was basically doing our newsletters. I was doing our... Uh, all our social platforms so i do all our posting on instagram on facebook which i still do to this day um we're fine there but i needed help with the uh with the seo work for sure i needed to bring someone on to help me with that okay so okay so so your traditional small business then by the sounds of it because i i do 
not a lot of the same thing, but you know, pretty close to it. So how, everything shuts down then, then what? Then what happened? Because this is what I, where I think a big shift happened. Whether, what the hell happened, I don't know. But like I said, you blew up. Absolutely everywhere, you blew up. How did that happen? What happened? Did you bring somebody on? Yeah. So at that point, um, we essentially took all our marketing budget. So previously we would have had a bunch of money booked out for trade shows. Um, many of them weren't going to be happening till the fall, but we looked at things at March and we just kind of forecasted like, okay, I don't think, I don't think these shows are going to happen, whether that's SEMA show, uh, off-road expo in Pomona, um, any of those things we kind of just thought like realistically, I don't think they're going to be in the cards. So let's shift all our, our money and resource and funds and put that into online and strictly digital advertising because we thought that's the only way we're going to connect with people. There's not going to be shows for us to be at with a booth and do things in the traditional sense and, and meet you face to face and show you our products. Those connections just aren't going to be there. So we got to make sure we're touching people digitally where they're going to, people are going to be spending more time probably on their phone and computer than ever. Right. So that's, that's where we decided to make that shift. Okay. You re reallocated funds is what you did. Yeah. 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 A, a lot of people like that have been like reaching out to and being like, Hey, let's do something for the podcast or the YouTube or whatever. They're like, no, no, we're not, we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything together until this virus is gone and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, why are you just shutting everything down? Like, I mean, they can do whatever they want. It's their business. But when I look at things, the way I look at business is when shit starts to slow down, that's when you need to like push a little harder on the gas. Like that, that's yeah. the only way you're going to win a race is, is if you more throttle. That's yeah, it. What, when, 100% historically, if you look at uh, companies that have done well in uh, recessions and other downturns in the past, um, that's when they push the hardest with advertising and you're trying to reach the most people. I mean, someone might not be ready to buy right at that time, but when they are ready, you better be top of mind. So yeah, we saw it as, we saw it as an opportunity. We didn't see it as, Oh shit, we can't get to these shows and events. Um, another thing that we took funds from was normally we sponsor a lot of, uh, small events. So like Jeep trail rides, some of them are like 50 people, some of them are like 200 people, but we'll often send prizes to those events. Mm -hmm. Um, I ultimately forecasted that, hey, I, I don't think these events are going to be happening this year. Um, so those events still ask for prizes because obviously those people were hopeful that they were still going to be able to put on an event. Um, but I just had to make the tough call and say no to all of those because I didn't think they were going to happen. And I mean, if I send you prizes, I trust, yeah, in 2021, 2022, you're going to give it out. Um, but I've handed you over my prize, money, whatever it is now. I've given that to you. It's in your hands. I mean, and I can use that now uh, to market online. So yeah, we we pumped the brakes on all that stuff as well. Cause I just didn't forecast any of that yeah. happening or being realistic. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then, so how did you go about bringing somebody online? Because you're a niche of a niche, as you said. So how did you sit there and get it? So somebody, before I go on, I don't want to sound ungrateful to Julie. I, our, our social media gal, she's amazing and she's great. But there's some times where it's just like, no, this isn't the right right wording. Like we had mm -hmm. one advertisement go out where we were pu helping push some of your products. And it was like built-in house at Veteran Welding. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 full fucking stop. We do not build these. 
well, it says that they're built in house. Yes, they're built in house at TMR. Like, if, like, yeah. look, TMR Customs built in house. We're a distributor. That's it. And she's like, oh, okay. So trying to bring her up to speed on the lingo is what I'm trying to point out. Is it's not a a hurdle, but it's something that needs to be addressed for a little while until she gets up to speed. So how did you go about finding somebody? Did you go through this SEO company out of Colorado or did you just know somebody who knows somebody? Cause well, you're too. No. So, so the, uh, the SEO company, yeah, they do, um, additional marketing. Um, but they're, they're a big firm. Um, so I thought it, it might be tough for them to really understand, um, the nuances and the lingo, like you're saying, I thought it might be tough for me to get that through to them um, when I'm working with multiple account reps down there. Um, they're big companies, so they've had turnover. Like I've dealt with, say, three different people in, in, over the course of three years, which is fine, but I kind of wanted to vet out and find a smaller firm um, okay. that I thought would have a better understanding of my needs and hopefully just pick up on more of the cues of, of off-road culture and whatnot. They still have to run everything through me because, um, yeah, they, they make some small mistakes or I have to make some, some tweaks here or there, which... It's totally understandable. I don't, I mean, I don't expect anyone to 100% understand my business um, like I do. But uh, yeah, I kind of, when I went about it, the first thing we added was the uh, email marketing. Um, I mean, I think if that's something you're not doing and not doing consistently, you're, you're missing out. Um, it's a big driver for traffic and ultimately drives a lot of revenue and it's, it's pretty affordable. Yeah. Um, so I, I found a firm that did that first and they put together some sample emails for me knowing very little about my brand. And I thought they got a pretty good grasp on it. So that's how I vetted them out and thought they were trustworthy and someone I could grow with. So I had them doing all my email newsletter stuff to start. Um, once I was convinced that they were kind of rock stars in that space, I know they also do digital advertising as well. Um, so that'd be paid ads on, on Facebook and Instagram. So now I've added that to them as well. So now they do, they do both things for me, but I really kind of made them prove themselves out with the email stuff before I was willing to give them my business on that side of things. Okay. Are they local to you or are they? They're, they're not, uh, they're based in, uh, they're based in the Carolinas. Um, okay. So again, it's one of those things. Um, when I started, I really wanted to hire people local to me whenever possible. Like when we did our first e-commerce website in 2008, um, I hired a guy that was down the street um, from my parents' place where I was living, like I could walk to his office. I liked that because we were new, didn't 100% know what we wanted or needed. Um, so I liked the fact I could go to someone's office and, and have a chat with them in person, even show them parts or show them a Jeep or a vehicle. Like, hey, here's what we do to try and get them to understand it and wrap their head around the brand mm -hmm. um, and what we're trying to grow. But yeah, as as we've grown, you kind of find sometimes you have to go outside of that circle if you want to find the, the right fit for the job. And I mean, it's digital. So I mean, someone can technically be anywhere. Yeah. Um, I would, I would like, I mean, you can hire SEO firms that are based um, in India or other countries. I, I don't think that would be a fit because I don't think they're going to get a grasp on the terminology. I mean, if English is your second language off road being your third language is going to be a tough one to grasp. Um, and, and I'm all about supporting like North American vendors when you have the opportunities. So yeah. that's why I kind of went with two companies in the States. Um, I still felt like my money was being spent on this continent and I was dealing with someone that, uh, that, that was strong at the English language so they could pick up on the soft road stuff. Yeah, no, we, uh, our web gal, Jackie, she, 
we, she, she always told us that she has a, she had a partner and our partner helped her out in one thing and the other. And it was like, all right, well, whatever you, you live in the mm -hmm. same town as us. And then when we were getting these classes, like, so at the end of last month, we had our senior leadership team meeting and I'm like, hell or fucking high water, the 15th, we're going live. And they're like, okay, all right. Yeah. And Jackie's just like, oh yeah, that's no problem. I'm like, oh, that, this is going to be a lot of work, but okay. Okay. You're confident. Let's do it. And like every other day, it was like, yeah, we got this, this, and this done. This, this, and this done. This, this, and this done. And it's like, how are you getting this done so fast? Like, what the hell is going on? Anyway, as conversation went back and forth, she was talking about on how her partner works during the night. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why do you have him? Like, what's going on? Anyway, come to find out, point of the story is they went to school here for family reasons. He moved back to India. The guy has perfect English. Yep. But that's what they do. She'll sit there. She'll get all the work. She'll work during the day. And then at uh, four o'clock, they have a handover meeting. And at nine o'clock in the morning, they have a handover meeting and they sit there and they, th that's what they do. And it was just like, holy fuck. Like this is rare. This is super, super rare, <laughs> but it, it was good. And the, the whole lingo thing though, I, I get what you're get, going with that. So how do you sit there? How, how, for the lingo, not or not not just the lingo, the off-road lingo, but the sounding like you. How do you get them to sit there and sound like you? Because that is one thing. When I read an email, if I'm sitting there and I'm reading it, and it's like, this is signed by the CEO, but this is not the CEO. Like I know, I know them or CEO. Sorry, um, using army abbreviations. Anyway, the. CEO is getting somebody else to sign it or write it. And they're just like, yeah, the message is getting across, but it doesn't sound like them. How do you do that? Did you just naturally over time, just kind of like coax them in? Or was that one thing where it's like, no, you already need to sound pretty damn close to the way we talk or like, how'd you go about that? No, I think copywriting is a strength of theirs. Um, so most things they throw at me are hundred percent good to go. Um, I have to make minor tweaks, but yeah, when we're queuing up like an email newsletter, um, they've got a pretty, uh, good format and we kind of schedule at least one month out. So they'll say, okay, th this week you got to give us a new product. Um, two days after that, we want to revisit a product that's like a key mover for you. And they handle all the creative in terms of they'll pick the photos. Um, they usually pick often stuff off social, um, as opposed to your typical clean black and white photo, like might be displayed on the website. Um, we really try and push the lifestyle stuff because a lot of these parts, yeah, the clean website photo works, so the customer knows exactly what they're getting. But unless you see it brought to life on a vehicle, oftentimes you have uh, trouble understanding how that product works. Like a new one, for example, um, we just made a storage organizing rack for jack stands. So you can basically bolt this thing to your wall, and it hangs jack stands. Uh, I showed it to one of my new employees last week. This guy is 100% versed in off-road and fabrication and whatnot. He picked it up and said, what is this? And I said, it's for organizing jack stands. Literally, we're looking at a laser cut widget. And he said, how? And I'm like, 100% in line with what I always thought. You see that product, but you don't know how it works. So we took it to the wall. I held it on the wall. I said, give me a jack stand. We hung a jack stand on it. He's like, okay, boom. Light bulb went off. He understood the function of that product. So we make sure when we go live with that product, and they just went live this morning, um, our main image for that shows the rack holding jack stands. So you can visualize how that's going to function 
um, in your shop and in your workspace. Because yeah, like I say, a laser cut part without that jack on it, you just don't you don't get the representation and and see how it's going to come to life. This is fucking brilliant. There you go. So, so I, 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 as you're talking about this, I'm like, how the hell would you hang these things? Like this makes no sense whatsoever. And like, because I, I was picturing you would be hanging it from the, the yoke, I guess you'd call it. Yep. And I'm just like, I guess that would work. That would kind of work. But you're you're actually hanging it from the base. That is slick. Yeah, it's 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 straightforward. I mean, um, there's lot there's lots of variations of this out there. I mean, ultimately you could just use wall hangers or brackets or whatnot. But we think we kind of built a unique um, solution for it that works well. And we built that ultimately because most people bury their jack stands under a workbench behind stuff. And then if you're rushed, you can get lazy and and not use a jack stand and just work off of the jack, which is a horrible idea. Um, one of our good customers here actually passed away. Um, over a year ago, um, he was he was crushed by his vehicle. He was doing some work under his vehicle. Um, no one knows 100% the circumstances, but I believe he was not working with jack stands because he just popped the truck up quick with a jack to climb under there and check something. That jack failed, um, and he passed away, which is, like, incredibly tragic. So ever since then, like, we've upped our safety game around the shop. Um, we really try and push. No one should work on your own. You should always work in a buddy system. Even if your friend's over and they're not mechanically inclined, just have someone someone with you. Um, An extra set of possible. eyes. Yeah, exactly. A second set of eyes just to make sure nothing happens. If something does happen, someone's there. So we were like, we need a solution to hang these things in our own shop and make them easily accessible. People are lazy by nature. Um, if we can take away that lazy element, there's really no excuse for not, not using it. It's not that you had to dig behind the workbench to fish them out. They're there. So we thought this is just a good functioning product that uh, – everyone should ultimately have in their garage yeah what size jacks do these fit they fit everything so we use um some 12 ton units here um because we want to like obviously lift under the frame on a chassis or hold it up high yeah so we built them around that so they'll fit a two a three a six um really we haven't found anything yet that they're not uh that they aren't compatible with in terms of testing them here yeah okay so so the 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 the, the, the common the common ones that you and I would use or Joe Schmo yeah. at home. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to have to order some of these once we get off the phone. Yeah. But yeah, you <laughs> see like that, like that's a good example of what we're talking about in terms of how you properly market a product. You people got to see in, in real life how that's going to function for them. If, if you click through the products there, I show a picture where it's just the rack with no jack on it. Mm -hmm. I think if that's the main image you saw, that might be tough to wrap your head around and how's this going to work. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the only thing I could, I could see, because I know me personally, is if, I put, if I'm not careful on where I put these, I'm going to be ripping the jacks off and launching them across the shop because I'm gonna walk, I walk around in the shop with my head down while I'm thinking, and if I sit there and bang my head, it's just like one of those things where it's like, mother, fuck, I'm an idiot. That's my own stupidity. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why, like, all my welder racks, when I was putting them on the wall, that, that was like the one thing like my wife is like well why are you putting them so high up i'm like because if i put it here i'm walking into it she's like yeah no put it higher just put it smart higher. man yep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, actually sorry i i just thought of something because underneath the the racks it's it's kind of dead space it'd be perfect for these because 
I'm already out of that zone. There we go. Sorry. I already have a place for some of these. Yeah, you already got them placed in the shop. You can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm ch uh, chasing the squirrel a little bit. But, <clears throat> all right. Sorry. I'm going I'm to pull up my, the questions I've been writing down as we go. So, um, you, you sat there and you, uh, you, you started talking about how over time, or the company you selected to do your um, advertising and all that over time, you, they were already up to speed for the most part on the lingo, correct? Yeah, exactly. Because we had been doing the email newsletters together for a period of time, uh, I was confident they had their head wrapped around my brand and how we present products. So I was confident in scaling and, and going to some digital advertising with them. Okay, cool. So now once so where are we in the timeline from the the shutdown to when you started bringing these guys online um j j just so people can see a picture of like how fast you sat there and shifted because it I, I i i'm not there but from what i've seen and the way my mind works it seemed pretty fucking quick yeah, so we were working with them on the uh, email newsletters um, in the summer, so pre-COVID. So, I mean, we started working with them in, say, oh, okay. July. So, so we had a good base of time built up with them, say, six, seven months of the email newsletters. And then that's when we made the transition over to the uh, to doing the other ads with them. One good thing, too, with them, um, they charged me a flat free, basically, to manage the account. And then I pay for the ads on top of that. We kind of started with a um, conservative budget to really test stuff. They wanted to know the stuff's going to work. Um, whereas I've worked with other companies in the past, they just throw shit at the wall, hope it sticks, um, but aren't necessarily tweaking those things and super results driven. Um, whereas these guys like truthfully micromanage the ads. If an ad's not working, it gets pulled. If an ad is working, more spend is allocated to that. Um, and it, it works, so it definitely drives revenue. Uh, one thing I will say for someone starting out, um, you might wanna try and learn some of this stuff on your own and see what you can accomplish just because the fees to have a firm are expensive on a monthly basis. So if that's chewing up most of your money and you don't have a lot of money left over for ad spend, you're not gonna see, you're just not gonna see a proper return on it. There, your business probably gotta be at a certain point before you can make that jump and, and hire a firm to help you out with this. Or at least be at a point where you can sit there and be like, he, here is not everything, but enough so they can sit there and be like, ah, okay, he, we understand the goal. We understand what you're trying to achieve. We understand yeah. your product. So they're not start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. And what, one thing um, in talking about hiring people for, for different outside services, um, we did a revamp of our website last, so not, not, Black Friday 2020, but Black Friday 2019, yep. we launched our new website just before that, like no, November of 2019. And we put a ton into that um, investment wise. Um, that's, that's the most expensive thing I've got in the shop. It's not, it's not any of my CNC machine <laughs> sale back or anything. It's, it's our, it's our web, but I mean, that's, that's where you take hundred percent of our sales. So you gotta get serious. Uh, we hired a, a firm out of Colorado for that one, just because the guy that had done my previous um, three websites in Markham here was just kind of beyond his scope. Um, mm. so we w went with a firm that he had worked with and the girl that project managed that was actually in Vancouver. Um, so she's kind of my point girl on the project 
everything runs through her, but then they have different developers. So I know like they've had, they had people from South America work, um, on the project. That's just like you're saying, they effectively have a night shift. Um, and at first I thought it was nutty, but I'm like, it works because when deadlines are tight, there can be people pushing on this 24 seven cause they've effectively got, got two shifts working on it. So, uh, it's a, it's a good balance. And, and effective people, not people who are sitting there and like falling asleep at the keyboard. They're wide awake cause they're on their day shift, not pulling a night yeah. shift. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, um, they they hire people that are that are pros. I mean, they're not getting anyone that's kind of at an amateur level. They're getting people that are at their their level in terms of web development skills. So stuff comes together quick when they're hammering away at it. Yeah. Now, so all of this is kicking on. What what, what did what what fuck? What how how did that started looking for you guys from the time you started dropping the hammer? and readjusting your marketing to it being implemented to actually seeing like dollars coming in the web yeah coming in the website not in the door um when did you start to see that transition and how has that affected you because actually that's the second part of a question i'll we'll just stick with that for now so um pre-covid we've always been focused on trying to become a digital only business and sell strictly by means of e-commerce. So our goal was always to eventually have no showroom. When we started out and you're smaller and you're doing local shows, it's, it's good to have somewhere for people to come in, speak to you, realize you're a real person, you're brick and mortar, you're not going anywhere and you're an expert in the subject matter. Um, but as you grow your customer base and we wanted to reach customers across Canada, across the U S we had, bigger goals than just like, say like a local pocket. We realized e-commerce is the only way you can reach these people and reach the masses. So we had already planned, we we're going to close our showroom. Our goal was to close our showroom by March. Um, and we didn't know how to go about doing that without pissing people off or offending people or making people think like, Oh, they don't have time for me, which isn't the case. Um, we just don't have time for, we, we need more time for everyone. Um, so that's why we need, one sales channel if you buy it here on our website basically all the orders come in in order and we process them in that order it's not fair if someone ordered something on my website yesterday and you walk in my store and then i instantly grab the widgets for you you kind of jumped the queue um yeah. in my opinion so I, I i didn't think that was like a good equity play and, and equal and fair to all our customers across the board so when COVID happened in march and we had to close that was kind of I mean, COVID sucks, but that was kind of a little gift for us. We could just go ahead, close our showroom, and people who had never bought from us online before because they were local customers and would come in here. Now they were essentially, if, if they wanted to do business with us, which I mean, not everyone wants to shop online, and I respect that, but the bulk of people in the last year have certainly made an online purchase or multiple online purchases, and they've just become comfortable with it. So we converted a lot of our local customers into online buyers it, it worked out like timing wise and transition wise that worked out awesome and then we we're ramping up the digital marketing and because i say like we selected a good firm and they really test things and micromanage and make the tweaks we instantly see see growth and revenue as soon as as soon as they were working with us there wasn't a really any lag there that's good that's really yeah. good um quick question for you you said how um if somebody orders something online and then somebody walked in the door, it was just kind of like jumping the queue. Did you, did you have storefront stock for lack of a better term? So you're not pulling from the 
guys who are buying online, it's like, okay, we have no. a small little, no, okay. No, and that was a challenge. Um, we, and for us, it's, it's an ongoing challenge. We run two websites. We have a Canadian specific website and a US specific website. Inventory between the two doesn't talk to each other. And then we had this walk-in storefront, which was another channel. And the invoicing for the walk-in storefront was done through a, a different invoicing system. So again, it didn't talk to either the Canada store or the U.S. store. And on top of that, we used to take telephone orders, which would go through the same invoicing system as the walk-ins. Um, so we just had too many points of sale, essentially, and we couldn't really drill it all down and have. And even um, for us tracking best sellers and what's moving, now we have to look at Canada website, U.S. website, walk-in invoices, phone invoices, if we want to figure out what's what's moving out of here in the most volume because obviously you want to make decisions based on that. What products are you going to advertise more? What are you going to try and expand that line? Maybe variations on a successful product. And also just as importantly, what doesn't sell? Cause you got to make over time, you got to make hard cuts and some of those products you might have an emotional connection to. Maybe it's one of your first products you made 10 years ago, mm -hmm. um, but it just doesn't sell enough volume to justify the, the shelf space and, and your, your digital spend to update that product and keep it going. So, you got to ditch products along the way and definitely discontinue things that don't move. Yeah, which which makes sense. Now, I, I can see that being good. I could, from the opposite side of the coin, I could see it being like, well, no, you want to know what's selling good in the States and what's not selling good in the States because you don't want to be pushing top sellers in Canada stateside if it doesn't fucking work. But yeah. your, your market is so niche that it's like, it, it's, this, it's the same across the board. Pretty much. There's definitely some stuff that's uh, regional only. I've got some products um, that not like call it 98% of the sale on those couple products is US only and vice versa with Canada. Um, what we didn't know in? that. Um, I don't want to say um, okay. kind of keep keep or keep, just keep her under the hat because I don't want people to get impression on, on certain things. But yeah, there's there's definitely things that are regional only. But yeah, for the most part, you're right. Um, our products, our products touch both both markets. We sell a lot of stuff to, to both. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. So now, how once everything started ramping up and it's going full bore, how does that look for the for the guys in the shop for for work? Because, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's pallets, full fucking pallets, getting going out the door multiple times a week. How are you guys keeping up now? Are you, did you bring on another shift? Are you looking at bringing in more equipment? How does that look? So, yeah, so we've, we've juggled things a few different ways and, and found um, some strengths and some weaknesses. Um, being that it was COVID, it was tough to hire new people because, I mean, we had a tight team here. I trusted everyone here was very responsible, good with sanitizing, good with masking. Um, I had a pretty good pulse on what their outside life looks like or their home life. Mm -hmm. um, if you bring someone on new, they're completely new. Um, and you, you don't know their outside habits. So maybe they're potentially exposing your whole team or putting everyone at risk. Um, so I did have to hire some new people cause I had vacant spots. Um, and it, the, both those hires have worked out awesome. They've been, the guys are aces and yeah, it turns out like they are super cautious outside of work. So they really fit in within our, our work family and culture. Uh, and what we've done is effectively everyone's worked a bit more hours, um, from a business standpoint, um, I don't think it makes sense to pay people overtime. So in Ontario here, you work up to 44 hours at regular time. If I have you work beyond 44 hours, I got to pay you time and a half. Um, 
that's never really made sense to me because we're selling a product. I've, I've got a fixed rate at which I can sell that. I can't say, hey, we made these widgets after hours. I'm going to charge 50% more now on the labor portion of them. Um, I've ultimately got fixed, fixed costs for the way I can sell things. So our attitude's always been if everyone's tapped and I've got everyone maxed at 44 hours and we need more than that, then either outsource some things or you have to bring bring more staff in to, to cover off those additional hours you've got to add to the shop. Okay. Now, could, and I, I'm asking this because I've, I've been in your shop a couple times and you got some slick equipment, but are you looking at adding to your arsenal there, like another CNC mill and a CNC lathe? So you, Because I know, uh, wait, I think it... I think it was yes, sometime in the last week. Uh, I was going. You you had a you had an ask Tim anything segment. Yep. And somebody asked about the your lifetime Heinz. I can't remember what size they were, but you're out of stock, and you're like, no, we're working on getting up to stock on these ones here, and then moving forward from there. Would are, is getting another piece of equipment in the cards to help alleviate that stress and stop it from happening again so yeah we were 100 percent um very close to pulling the trigger on another machine um i've got the i've got the space for it um and we can move some things and make that happen what what we kind of considered too was um the labor market for hiring qualified cnc machinists um is tough it's tough to get good people and, and retain good people. Mm -hmm. So we, we looked at it um, and really costed it out and we found we're better to outsource some of our simple parts to local machine shops. There's a lot of good local shops within even five minutes of us. There's a lot of good local shops within an hour of us. Um, so we've kind of found a few key partners to make some of our basic parts that are higher volume. So we, we essentially prove out proof of concept refine the design we've got that product out there for years we know exactly what what is needed out of that product okay mm -hmm. maybe we can move this off of our plate and onto someone else's that's a good and a preferred supplier they can make those for us so we can focus on ramming through more of the new stuff and, and the things that we want to grow with yeah okay that that makes total sense that makes complete sense yeah so and uh i'm not like purchasing a new machine still on a radar i'm not adverse to it the two guys I have right now, they could handle an additional machine. So, like, I've got the right team for that. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right, the right, uh, the right timing for that. Because um, we've got another challenge here um, at our shop. We've got one receiving roll-up bay door, as you know. Yeah. Our last, our last CNC machine we bought doesn't fit through that door. Uh, so what we had to do was carve a hole through a neighboring unit. Um, oh. and we're lucky our, our, our neighbor was cool with that, but we basically had to strip down <laughs> half our warehouse racking, move all their warehouse racking, bring a contractor in, cut a massive pocket through the wall so we could drive our mill in, park it, and then put all that back. The Mazak um, that you so have in there now? Our Mazak mill, exactly. So it, it's pigeonholed in here. It, it can't go out. So if I buy another piece of equipment, I, I would be buying another lathe. Um, that that's where we've got the bulk of work. I would buy another lathe. Um, but yeah, if it's large enough that it can't come through my bay door, then same deal. Um, and I mean, that's a challenge cause that kind of closes our warehouse for a few days cause we've just got things stripped. And I mean, with the volume of stuff that's moving out of here now, that's probably not a good idea for us to, to shut down for a couple of days. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. That how how bad do you want that new mill? 
How bad do you exactly. want that? <laughs> how, how, how bad do you want that? And uh, how bad do you need that? And, and what's the what's the disruption going to be to your to your daily flow? Yeah. Holy crap. Okay. Wow. I, yeah. I didn't know and you had to the, do that. Yeah. And I mean, with the extra hours, too, um, what we did is uh, we started working additional evenings. So we'd work like a Wednesday evening, a Thursday evening. And I've worked every Saturday um, since, fuck, I don't even know. But uh, yeah, we just work some weekends. I come in with my, my dad. Our staff will come in kind of every other. Um, and everyone's just pitched in more hours. That's really the only way to, to get all those parts out the door like you were seeing when we were moving extremely high volume there during our Black Friday. It was, yeah. it was, it was more hours. There was no way to ask everyone like, hey, pull up your socks and after 50%. Um, that's Everyone already works their ass off. So, I mean, yes, people can do a little bit more and, and people rise to the occasion. But to say, hey, for, for a month and a half, I need you to work 50% harder, that's that's not cool. You're not going to have anyone left at the end of that. Well, not only that, but they, it it puts them into a different tax bracket as well. So it's just like, yeah, pull up your socks and extra 50% so you can give away half of what you're getting. And it's yeah. just like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for some people it makes sense. For some people it didn't. But, yeah, from a business standpoint, my whole thing's never been – has always been um, – don't pay overtime. If that's the case, bring on more staff. Cause like I say, um, if I've got a product priced at a hundred bucks on my website, that's, that's what I need to sell it for. That's what I've based all my costing on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't add 50% margin to that. So yeah, that's, that's always been our outlook. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. What, what is the new machine that you're looking at? Just out of curiosity. I would get another lathe. Um, I would get another Mazak lathe, um, probably sub spindle. So it would have two spindles and I would probably have live tooling on it. Um, just so we can, um, do more one and done parts in there with less less setups and less operator intervention. But yeah, that's 100% what it would be. Lathe work is our bottleneck, just the volume of some of our our turned parts. Um, we can't keep up with and can't satisfy. So yeah, that's that's where we need the help. Okay, cool, groovy. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, is there anything else you want to talk about on how we before we move on on how you sat there? and adapted like any other key things that you think we might have either skimmed over and you want to address more of or that we completely missed um one i think would be for us anyways been a bit of a challenge managing people's managing local customers expectations for how fast they can pick up their stuff um normally they could just walk in here buy Mm -hmm. the parts uh presumably within 10 to 30 minutes i've got them their parts and they're at the door um with the online only, they choose warehouse pickup and they can come get it here, but they've got to wait till we pick that order. And ultimately it's it's in queue with everyone's orders. It's not fair for us to say, okay, these ones are gonna jump everyone else. Um, so we've just had to manage people's expectations and say, uh, right now, um, it's generally two days later, we'll have your parts ready. Um, our goal is always same day, like, and same with shipping. Our goal is always order by 1 p.m. It's going out the same day. Um, we just can't do that right now with the volume of orders and the staff levels we're at. And like I say, it's challenging to add new people, not knowing their, uh, backgrounds or outside history. So yeah, it's, it's tough for someone that's local that say a year ago, they did come in here on a Friday, walked out with their parts, did the build on that weekend. Um, it's just been a bit of a challenge to, um, hopefully get them to understand and, and grow and, and, uh, accommodate the fact, yeah, it's probably going to take two days. If you want your parts for the weekend, just try and order them early in the week. Like I know, if I'm wrenching on Saturday and finish up, what I do, what I need to wrench next Saturday, okay, order that stuff Sunday, order that stuff Monday. Don't don't wait till Thursday. Um, you're just not putting 
anyone in a good position at that point. Yeah, a little bit of foresight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. All right, now, so, something that we haven't talked about, and personally, I'm really curious about this, is your your business know-how, your knowledge and stuff like that. Where did this, is it all trial by fire? Or do you have like a coach where you guys sit down and you're like, okay, you know, this is what we're working on. This is what we've done. Accountability partner, like the whole nine yards. Like how, how do you do that? Because you used to be a tool and die guy. And I don't know, for, for me, welding to being a business owner, there's some similarities, but it's a completely different world other than that. How did you do it? How do you con- consistently just keep doing this and crushing uh- it? hundred percent trial by fire. Um, I, I don't have an MBA. Um, we, we don't have any coaching or anyone we lean on. Uh, I will say I'm extremely lucky that I've got a business partner and that's my brother and we get along well. Um, we don't really have any arguments or issues. I know a lot of people when they start out, um, will bring on a partner and you hear oftentimes it doesn't work well just because people have different goals, visions, um, and, and have trouble defining roles um mike and i have always excelled at that so i mean it's good in terms of we've got each other to bounce ideas and decisions off um he pretty much makes all the decisions regarding the shop i pretty much make all the decisions regarding uh customer service and sales um but we still run those by each other because we trust each other's expertise and it's good to have a a second opinion one guy i know um that uh, worked for a fastener supplier that had been around for 20 Oh shit. I think they've been around for over 30 years now. And it was the same thing. It was, it was two brothers. Um, and he said, basically one runs the concrete, which was the floor mm-hmm. and one runs the carpet, which was the sales side of things. Um, and they've been successful with that. So for us, it, it works. Um, I know everyone's different, but, uh, yeah, I don't have any formal business training whatsoever. Um, two of my uncles had grocery stores. Um, I worked in them when they were young. Um, so did Mike and all my family worked there. Um, I think what we learned from that was just kind of old school customer service, um, treat people right. Don't bullshit anyone. Um, never lie to a customer and just be upfront with, uh, with the truth in, in every situation. So we always just try and be good communicators. Like a simple example of how you apply that to e-commerce is on our website. It gives you an estimated delivery date when you're checking out. Um, I can add essentially a tear or a delay to that. So I know if we're running two days behind, I add an extra two days there. So hopefully that estimate's accurate because there's nothing worse than, wow. and I mean, it's an estimate, it's not guaranteed delivery date. And it, we, we push that it's an estimate, but I mean, if you, if you look on there and you buy the parts and it says estimated for Friday and you're planning to wrench that weekend, you want to have, uh, some semblance of confidence that they're going to get there on Friday, like the website shows you. So I move that date around constantly. Um, that's evaluated like every two days and we tweak that because we want you to have information up front to make good buying decisions and, and be confident in what you're getting from us. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Well, I think we covered everything. <laughs> Is there anything you would like the floor is completely yours? Anything you want to talk about or chin wag on or anything like that before we throw a pin in it? I would say, um, regardless of what business you're in or, or what state your business is in, you really got to be thinking online. I feel you should have been thinking that probably a long time ago. This is pre COVID. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's not even the wave of the future. That's the wave of now. So I feel if you're even a small sport, part store in town, you should have 
an e-commerce component um, and a way to do that. Maybe you don't need to spend tons on advertising. Maybe your customers come in through a different method. Maybe you're still on a main street in town and people drive by and see your business and know what you sell. Those are all perfectly fine things. But uh, yeah, I think you need to find a way to serve people um, in ways other than stores. I mean, if you look at current generation of kids and youth and young people, a lot of them have their, their head buried in their phone. They don't want to have, and I'm talking on an app or a game or social media, they don't want to have a phone conversation or they don't probably want to walk into a parts counter and, and look someone in the eye and tell them what widget or that they need. They're more comfortable doing their own research online, um, finding a vendor that they trust and then making a purchase in a, a brand they believe in. So it's cool. Tons of businesses have pivoted and become like gone online. Um, there's some businesses where you just can't do that. I mean, if you're, if you're in like, say, um, the entertainment space, um, or you own a bar or restaurant, no, you probably can't, can't do that. I mean, there's certain industries that are capped, but yeah, I feel if you, if you got a parts store or if you're in the off-road field, fabrication, anything, if you've got a product and you sell that product to people, you better, you better be online. I think if you're not right now, unfortunately you're behind, but, uh, get working on it because it takes time to come along. It's, it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of refinement to, uh, to figure out all these systems. Yeah. Okay, cool. Groovy. Well, good, sir. I think that's a good spot to put a pin in it. What do you think? Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a, a good chat. Um, if there's nothing else you want to cover, that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I got that. That was the big thing. Like I wanted to talk about on how like you pivoted and moved on from there and how it's, how it's working for you. Cause like I said, when we kicked off, it looks like it's working amazingly. So but yeah, no, other than that, that is it. Where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so best, uh, actually, that's something we should, you mind if we touch on another thing? Give her, the floor is yours. Yeah, okay. So another change in adaptation we made, uh, when things started going bonkers in November with our Black Friday sale, um, we turned off our inbound phone line. Uh, so you can't phone us here at TMR Customs because a large number of those calls are just customer service and self-serve related things, um, i.e., where's my tracking number? Well, when your order gets shipped, you get emailed a tracking number. Um, we, we tell you that on our website. You probably just got to check your spam folder. That's probably where it lives. But if uh, I don't have to have someone here hop on the phone and spend a couple minutes with you to, A, explain that so you know for next time, and B, find your tracking number, um, that's just a smoother system. So we got so busy... Um, I normally handle like all our inbound calls and customer service and tech. Uh, but we got so busy to the point where it's like, I got to be out in the shop helping pick pack and, and fill orders. I don't have the time to be on the phone. So yeah, if you want to reach us, um, emails, the smoothest, just sales at tmrcustoms.com. Uh, I pick up all those emails. They all go to Mike. He sees them as well. Uh, if you need to reach me direct, it's just Tim at tmrcustoms.com. If you've got a general question or just want to chat, um, then like you can DM me on Instagram um, but I usually tell people, if you want to quote on something, if you want to know how much shipping is, that's all on our website. Literally throw those widgets in your cart, proceed to the checkout, just put your address in there, and it's going to give you, obviously, price of the parts, but it's going to give you the shipping options and, and delivery dates. So, yeah, there's really building out a website that powerful that's kind of alleviated that as a job. Um, I mean, I could pay someone 40 k a year to sit at a desk here and, and take phone orders and hand transcribe them help people get their shipping numbers, whatever. Um, I just don't think that's a good use of funds. Um, so we freed that up and just try to make our website a better experience and, and have all that information so people can make good decisions. 
And if you need a phone call, all you got to do is email in and just say, hey, I'm more of a phone guy. I'm not uh, I'm not a good transcriber of uh, with the old thumbs on the phone or I'm not good on the keyboard. Do you mind giving me a call to talk my project? Yeah, 100%. I'll, I'll give you a call. But uh, yeah, we currently, being that we're a digital business and that's our push, we don't take inbound phone calls at this time. Okay. Yeah, because I know a couple weeks ago I sat there and I'm like, shit, I got to talk like business side of the house. I had a couple questions for you. I'm like, where the fuck did the phone number go? What the heck? And for some reason, like I I have your personal one in the phone, but yeah, I, I, I I very much like to keep the personal number for shooting the shit and personal things and business numbers for just that. So when you see it come through veteran welding, it's like, Oh, business. When you see it come through Chris, it's like, Oh, we're going to shoot the shit. So for sure. No. So yeah, that's what we've done. Essentially um, email us contact form on our website, uh, DM us on Instagram. Um, but yeah, if you need a call, just ask for a call hundred percent, not a problem. I don't mind it. Um, we were just trying to alleviate those calls for how much is this product? How much is shipping? Where's my tracking? Those things are all self-serve. Um, there's a reason we, we spent what we did on our website and we put in daily effort to refine it and make it better. Same as someone asks me for a measurement on a part, like how far is this bolt hole to the bottom of the tab or to the flange? I call Mike, Hey, make me a print. We're going to add the print to our site. And I, I told you, I remember you had a yep. question for me on one. And I said, get on the website. I know there's a dimension print for that. And then you can make the best decision if it's going to fit or work for you on our site. So again, that's just a educational process, but why, why take 10 phone calls on that trust and, and answer the same question 10 times? I mean, document it and make it, make it free information for people to use. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, if somebody's sitting there going, oh, how much is this, this this part or product or whatever you want to call it, I don't think they're actually going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Maybe they just did a search for Heim Joint um, online, and we were one of the 10 vendors that came up for Heim Joint. So they're, they're old school. They're calling around to get a price. There's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, uh, in the digital world, you can just visit all those website links that came up right in front of you. The pricing's there. I mean, there's no... Exactly. There's no hidden price. There's no hidden pricing. There's no, oh, Jimmy's got it for X. Can you do that? It's like the pricing's all right there. So just make your own informed decision. You don't, you don't actually need to talk to me for information that basic. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, cool. Well, I think that's it. Awesome. Groovy. Um, Yes. Do you mind, do you mind if we just touch on the race series and what we did there? Oh yes, yes, yes. Hit the race series. Go. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So, uh, another thing, I mean, we were talking earlier about, uh, events and I was confident all the like large scale Jeep or trail ride events would be canceled just because of the number of people involved. We weren't sure what was going to happen with, uh, our race series, but in Ontario here, they kind of opened up uh, motorsport as one of the, uh, first things. And when they kind of rolled back some of the closures, it was motorsport without spectators and there were a limit on the number of people there. So we had to cancel some races up front just because of the timing, but then we could pivot. We found a new venue and we wound up putting on four races, two at one venue, two at another, and ultimately uh, no spectators. So it was just like race car driver, co-driver. That was it. It was just like a small team. Um, No one hung. Normally it's more of a family thing and people hang out camp afterwards um have some beverages after your your day's done and 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 tell stories about what happened during the day that all essentially got kiboshed we put on just racing um but we were lucky we could do that um it's still a good form of marketing for us um 
content's king nowadays. So you get all those pictures, videos, and you can put out that information that, yeah, you're being active and here's lifestyle of our products being used and abused and tested. So yeah, we were lucky the racing we could still go on with, but that was really just a matter of the fact. Um, there are no fans, no spectators. We had to keep it, keep it super tight um, and minimal, but it still worked out that we could put on a season for that. So that was one, one thing where, like I said, we're looking at events and what's going to be canceled and what's going to happen. We're pretty confident we are going to be able to do that. Same with looking at 2021 and where things are at now. Um, any events that contact me that are like a large scale event with a lot of people, I'm really leery of. I haven't committed to any of those yet, but I'm confident we're going to be able to put on a racing schedule just because there's essentially 25 to 30 drivers and then another 25 to 30 co-drivers. Um, but that's it. We don't have a couple hundred spectators um, and everyone can stay spread out at the venues we're in and we can do things safely. Yeah. Okay. Speaking about content, what do you guys, what, what, what's your battle plan for generating new content now that all this stuff is, is closed? Are you relying solely on the race series or like how, how are you doing that? So race series, um, ultra four racing is definitely going to be happening. Um, so I've got, uh, Cody Hardesty, uh, he's in Kentucky. He runs one of our team, our chassis, um, in the ultra four series. Um, he's been to two races so far, had killer results and he's qualified and going to be racing in the 4,400 classic King of the Hammers. Nice. Um, so, which is pretty exciting. Give me one of our, another one of our chassis racing in that we've had a guy, run our chassis before he lcq'd um through the backdoor shootout and got in uh, but he has some mechanical failures early on i think in a transmission or something so cody's better prepped and he's going down there just for that race um and we yeah with the goal of doing well so that's going to do good for us that'll generate a lot of uh content and jam because i basically asked him to appoint someone in his pit crew with developing content so i mean i need one photos of them doing everything down there from registration to qualifying to the race to pits um and we're in talks with another uh ultra four driver potentially add someone else to kind of our uh our stable of people we work with um i'm confident races like that'll happen uh we continue to work with some guys that run in the southern rock racing series like uh tim cameron's going to be obviously at at all the events and he's an awesome uh ambassador and, and tester of our parts so i'm confident he'll be out doing his thing but yeah in terms of the local stuff it's going to be are racing and then we'll try and go out on some trail rides with us and maybe one or two other guys who run some of our parts just so we can get our own pictures and show people how the stuff's uh, used and applied in the real world. Yeah. Okay, cool. Groovy. I gave you firm dates for Northwest trail ride, right? I don't think so. No. Okay. All right. We'll no. talk, we'll talk about that afterwards then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I, yeah. Still pouring coal on that. Anyway, uh, yeah. So if that's it, buddy, it's your call. Ball's in your awesome, court. Awesome, man. Yeah. Nope. Totally satisfied. I think that'll be good. All right. Cool. Well, everybody, you know where to find Tim. You can get a hold of him at tmrcustoms.com, tmrcustoms on Instagram, all that good stuff there. I'll put a link to all of his socials and website in the bio of the uh, episode here. You can find me at veteran welding on all the platforms i'm on clubhouse now as well so if you're on there and you want to talk business you can find me there uh website veteranweldingcompany.ca and until next time guys cheers stay focused veteran welding is your go-to site for your off-road fabrication needs 
Need some race tested brackets, tabs, and trusses for your daily driver? Weekend trail rig or your full tube chassis? Veteran Welding has you covered. Need advice on which parts you should use for your project rig? Veteran Welding has you covered. Or do you want to learn how to weld, but you can't find anybody to teach you because you really want to start expanding your skill set for either work or your personal projects at home? Veteran Welding now has you covered with our online courses. Currently, we offer a TIG 101 course and we'll be adding a MIG 101 soon. For all of your off-road fabrication needs, head on over to veteranweldingcompany.ca. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying this show, please consider heading over to Patreon and supporting this channel. It doesn't matter how much you decide to support us with, it all goes straight into the show so we can sit there and spend more time on here helping you guys out, whether it's bringing you more interviews, talking to industry leaders, systems that we are developing, putting into place, helping you develop systems, manage your team. That's what we're here for, guys, is to help you out. So please, if you are getting value out of this, head on over to Patreon and help support us.